Welcome to Riding Tandem, a podcast about building businesses, leadership, and creating positive impact for our communities. I'm your host, Vivian Kavam, and I invite you to ride tandem with me as I have candid conversations with inspiring business owners, leaders, and experts who are building on their dreams and creating impact. Get ready to be encouraged and learn practical tactics to help us build successful businesses, become incredible leaders, and have positive ripple effect. Let's go. Well, hello. Welcome to Riding Tandem today. Excited to have you, as always, here. And I'm here today to introduce Mickey Kennedy, who founded e-releases. And we're going to dive into all the details behind press releases and how it can benefit your business. I'm personally excited about this. I've been talking about it a lot with clients, as has my business partner. So excited about it. Mickey is the brains behind e-releases, and he started that about 24 years ago. So he is actually a pro, which is super fun. And he started it to give small businesses, authors, startups, just like yourselves who listen in, a leg up on visibility and credibility and just really upping the game in that area, which, of course, we all need. And his team does this by providing top-notch press release creation and distribution and all the services that surround that, which you're going to learn all about here real, real shortly. But I do want to tell you I'm super stoked about this topic because, honestly, I feel like the world of press releases and news outlets in general can be a little bit of a head scratcher for many people. But... I don't want you to worry about that because Mickey um, is going to kind of demystify all of that for us. So we're going to dive into PR strategy, getting your name out there, writing press releases, getting them into the world, and just basically anything having to do with press releases and things I don't know. So Mickey's going to jump in and be like, oh, and you forgot one, two, three, four as well. But I've certainly seen the magic of good press releases with clients in our own community, in our own company at Tandemworks. So I want you to grab your note-taking tools for this one and prepare for some PR press release wisdom. So welcome, Mickey. Glad to have you. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I got to listen to one of your podcasts with another host, and I was like, yes, this is good stuff. So I'm excited to dive in. Okay. One of the questions I had asked you before we hopped on here was what you love about being a business owner. And I loved what you said, that you love that you can find an opportunity out there, a need, and fill it. And so you like look for the gaps and that's what I love too, is finding those gaps and then filling the need in the marketplace. So clearly you saw a gap and a need for press releases for small businesses. I'd love for you to tell me more. What's kind of the founding, what's your founder story with e-releases and how'd you start it up? Right. So I, well, (laughs) the long story is I was a poetry major doing an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry in grad school in Northern Virginia. And I just assumed I'd wait tables and write poetry in my off hours. <laughs> and I did that for a summer and realized that my knees hurt, my ankles hurt. And I just felt so psychologically damaged at the end of the day. I wasn't reading or writing anything. So I decided I need to find a safe office job. And I got hired at a telecom research startup as employee number three. And they're like, oh, you're the writer. Figure out press releases and send them out for us. <laughs> and so I did that. And I got really good at it. And I just realized, you know, this was a, an amazing tool. I was sending out a press release via fax at the time. And we were getting picked up in like The Economist, Financial Times, Washington Post, all of these major publications and newspapers. And we would get like, you know, amazing traction, lots of sales and inquiries. And I just felt like, wow, this is a huge opportunity that a lot of people don't realize is out there. And I looked online and nobody was really helping small businesses. Most of the PR firms were geared towards, you know, $20,000, $30,000 packages and up. And I was just like, I want if there could be a business here, here in the gaps. And so I spent a year just reaching out to journalists and asking them if I could email them press releases. And the majority of them said yes at the time, because this was like 1997. And I launched in October of 1998 with about 10,000 journalists in my database. And I just was a matchmaker. I'd get a client and I would send it to the people that I thought would be interested in that press release. And over time, PR Newswire reached out to us and said, hey, you should also you know, consider including us. 
And I pointed out that they're charging like $1,600 to do a national press release. Mm -hmm. And my clients just couldn't afford that. And rather than them run off, they, you know, put, we put our heads together and we found a way to work together so that everyone that does go through e-releases does get a custom national distribution over the wire and not have to pay anywhere near $1,600 for the average press release. I like it. What I think is really interesting and cool about your story is some people would just go, oh, well, can't be done in that price range, right? Right. And I think that happens a lot when people have a business idea and then they come up against, oh, well, the supplier can't supply it in my price range and that. How did you go about, like, I guess, what was your philosophy there? Did you immediately go, oh, there's always a way? Or was there a bit of a struggle to get it figured out? I was expecting that they would immediately run away and they didn't. And so they invited me to visit them. So I went and visited them and discovered that they have an overnight editorial team that has to be there in case there's breaking news or a recall or someone has to get news to Asia from the US. And so they said they're not busy at all. They don't do much except sit on their hands waiting for a press release. And I said, what if I scheduled all my releases for the next business day by default rather than immediate distribution? And that way they could set them up overnight and there'd be no additional labor. So we sort of put our heads together and tried to find a win-win solution that would, you know, be minimal taxing on their system and give us access to, to, the, to the wire. I love it. It makes me think of when I had a video production company, we also wanted to keep our editors busy in between the big jobs, especially because some of them are contracted, but we kind of wanted them to be with us as much as possible. So we would do the same. We'd bring in some projects that maybe didn't have quite as big of a price tag with them, but we always said it fed the machine, right? Like it kept kept the presses turning, which I think is an interesting an interesting concept to use. I've seen it done too with printing, specific like actual printing, where they want to keep those machines moving. So if you're willing to wait a couple extra days, they'll slip you in when there's time. And it makes it possible to be able to do smaller print jobs with some really high quality, which is really cool. So I love that. Nice innovation there. How have you seen... Well, actually, let's back all the way up. I like to make sure we're level set for everyone listening and not assume anything, right? So let's do basics first, like basic 101. What's a press release? What's the newswire? What is this all about? Just kind of walk us through the 101 of a press release and why it matters right. to a small business. So a press release is just a announcement, usually written in the third person that a company or person or organization is sending out to the media in hopes that they will turn that into an article or write about them or interview them for a radio program or use them in some capacity of, of getting some media coverage. And generally, these aren't very sexy pieces of writing. They're usually very basic, but you are leading sort of through the inverted pyramid of you know who, when, what, where, and why information, most important information top down. And you're going to have usually a quote in there as well, which is the one time that you can talk in the first person and sort of attribute that to a principal at the company, or it could be uh, a customer if you're using a case study or something like that within your press release. And it's not the actual article that is going to appear in print, but it's the nuts and bolts and the information that hopefully a journalist can turn into an article. So is it fair to say it's almost like a like a teaser? Do they tend to reach out for more information or do they write an article just off of what's in a press release? So journalists like to have all the information in the press release. Now, that being said, you can certainly have links in there where people can go for more information, especially if, if maybe it's a, someone in a technical industry who's looking for more specs about a product that you're talking about, and you right. send them to a page on their website where they can download uh, all the specs and information that's completely relevant. But generally, they like to have as much information as possible. That being said, journalists often will contact you if there's a need for clarification or maybe they're working on a story that's similar they'd like to get your a quote by you or your perception on a particular issue that's maybe related to your industry so you know for that reason you you don't want it to be too short of a pitch you want to try to you know have as much information as possible and 
you know, sort of realize that journalists are storytellers. And so you want to make sure that you have all the elements that they would need to turn that press release into an article. And, you know, for example, one of the most common type of press releases that we get at e-releases is a product launch press release. And often they are, here's the product and here's a bullet a list of all the features and here's a buy button. And it's very hard for journalists to turn that into an article. But if you were to use a use case study in addition to those features and, you know, address the problem that this client had, what their experience was using it, what were the results, and then having a quote by them that allows a journalist to build out more of a story of like, hey, here's a new product. Here's someone who used it. This was their experience. These were the results they saw. Here's a quote by them. Here's some features. It just it just gives a lot more a room for a journalist to be able to, you know, run the story arc that they're used to running. That makes sense. And I would imagine, too, that journalists probably get a number of press releases that come across their maybe digital desks now. So uh, some of this has to be about standing out, I would imagine. Yes. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, as a small business, they feel like maybe they're too small or marginal to matter to the media. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to realize that journalists like to be seen as curators. And so often they don't like to profile the large, well-funded companies that most people know, mm -hmm. but to profile the small mom and pops or new startups that people aren't aware of, it gives them, you know, more accolades as saying, wow, I didn't know about this company. That's really cool what they're doing. And I think for that reason, you you may undersell yourself when you feel like you don't matter to the media. And, you know, some of the things that you can talk about are, you know, what makes you unique as a company? What's your unique selling proposition, USP? You know, is it you know, that you're entering the marketplace and doing something completely different than everybody else. And if you're not, you know, consider building a unique selling proposition in your company and, you know, using that as something that you promote and go forward with. About a third of the people that appear on Shark Tank usually use e-releases to send a press release out before their episode airs. It's something that producers recommend to them. That's cool. And what, what we find is startups do really well getting media pickup and part of it is you're on a national tv show so right. that certainly helps but i've noticed that startups that aren't affiliated with shark tank also are much more likely to get pickup and i think what they really do well is they have their elevator pitch down they know what niche they've carved out in the marketplace that makes them different than everybody else and they can be able to succinctly say it in just a couple of sentences mm -hmm. and lead with that and i think that that's something that you know anybody can sort of adapt and use for the for their company that's really cool and how cool i mean we have a local pitch competition here called rev and it's like our own little mini shark tank and people love it like how fun that you get to get to collaborate with those startups Okay, before we get further down the road, I was, of course, sleuthing around on your website and came across a really interesting blog. And I was like, oh, we definitely need to talk about this. It wasn't on my list to ask, but now it is. There's a difference between a media alert and a press release. Can you right. define that? I thought that was really helpful for a small business to understand. Right. So a media alert is usually just a, a very succinct announcement of something that's very short and you know it could just be media alert we're appearing at a conference and here's the details of when the conference is and when we're going you know scheduled to speak and details as to how to be able to uh, attend that if you're at that conference media alerts tend to be a lot more succinct and less fleshed out but they also tend to be more timely they're mm -hmm. more time sensitive so if someone is getting ready to do a press conference that's sort of impromptu maybe a reaction to a lawsuit or something that's going on that just today you know everything came together and they just want to get the, an announcement out really quickly uh, a media alert would be a really great way to sort of lead with that and you know those tend to be a lot more lean uh, but they usually draw journalists in who want to then get more information maybe attend the press conference or be able to go to a conference and uh, get some more information about uh, what's going on there yeah i thought that was a really good differentiation to make that Essentially, the press release is a mini story. You could write the story, right? 
if I was to summarize it. And a media alert is almost like an invitation. Hey, we're going to be here. It'd be cool if you wanted to be there too and cover us or cover the story. We thought you better bring your cameras and your notepad, right? It's kind of what we're saying with the two different ones. Yeah. And that's accessible to any small business. They can do either one. Yeah. I think it's really cool. If you're having a ribbon cutting, why not? Send it out. Invite some media, right? Okay, cool. So you were talking about this a little bit already, and I think it does come up a lot where a lot of clients that we work with are small to medium size. People who listen to this podcast, they tend to be small, medium size, or just thinking about starting a business and they're capturing all this information. So they can like start right out the gate, right? Great opportunity for a press release is that you're launching your business, by the way, side note. But a lot do say to us, we're not newsworthy. And I even hate to say it, but literally the words have come out of their mouth. We're really boring. And I'm like, okay, hold up. From a storytelling standpoint, we need to walk that back, right? Like you're not really boring. Nobody likes to work with really boring. Your industry might not be what we call sexy, but you're not boring. How do, how do you help small to medium-sized businesses with that? Because I know you're already saying it. I know that comes up. It does. I have people all the time that say, we're not doing anything that's newsworthy. And I'm just <laughs> like, something's paying the bills and keeping <laughs> the lights on. Yeah, you know, people are choosing you in the marketplace for a reason. What is that? And often if we sort of brainstorm around that, we can come away with, you know, sort of things like, well, you know, a lot of people in our marketplace do X, but what we do is X plus Y. Mm. And that's one of the key differentiators why people choose us. And I'm like, well, that's a USP. You know, that's something that we could promote and sort of differentiate you from everyone else. And it may not seem sexy, but it is important because that's probably why you are converting the customers that you are converting. And And people within your industry might find that interesting if we build it out in a way that sort of lends credibility to it. And, you know, some of the things that you could do is, you know, what you've uh, identified is your gap that you're filling in the marketplace. Are there stats around it? You know, like maybe your solution is a little bit different, but, you know, what you found is 57% of people in your industry are having that same situation. And so in a press release, talk about those numbers, you know, get public stats that are out there available, incorporate them into your copy. It's going to make it a a lot better building out a story and an argument uh, from a statistical standpoint, because journalists love data. They love numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, anytime you can beef up your press release with more numbers and data is going to make it a lot more convincing for them to want to be able to, you know, turn that into an article. Have you seen people use that successfully? And I have. do they have, like, do they always have the data? Do they go out and find the data? Are they tracking data themselves and they just haven't thought to use it that way? I love that idea. Right. So a lot of people don't realize what data is out there, you know, but if you go out there searching for it, a lot of people have probably already compiled the data and maybe not in one place, but it's out there and available. So, you know, do research and be the person who brings all the data into one place and builds a story with the numbers, because that is a really uh, powerful way to, to really stand out. And you don't have to necessarily be the author of those numbers or that data for it to matter. But that being said, one of the foolproof ways that I've been able to get media coverage for clients is to actually do create the data. You know, a lot of my clients really resist me on this, but I say do a survey or study within your industry. You know, it, it's it's not as difficult as it sounds. You can, you, I, I think anyone can be let loose on SurveyMonkey and within 15 minutes create a four page survey with four questions on each page that sort of ask relevant questions that are relevant to your industry right now, today. You don't want to ask evergreen questions. You want to ask questions that are relevant today that, you know, maybe there's economic uncertainty in your industry. You might want to ask, are you spending more or less on marketing over the next quarter? two quarters, you know, when it comes to personnel, you know, are you finding it challenging to get people to work or move back into the office? Are you having you know, problems building a culture? All of these types of questions that people are dealing with, you know, coming out of the pandemic and, you know, adjusting to the workplace. And so, you know, take your industry's temperature on issues that are affecting you right now. What are the things that you would ask someone at a trade show or conference if you were there at a water cooler? Like, hey, have you noticed that uh, 
everybody's beginning to slow pay and net mm. 30 is turning into net 90, that could be an indication of some capital drying up within your industry. And asking questions around that could really uh, elicit some interesting responses. Um, once you've you know completed the survey and you've gotten the responses, you're going to analyze it and say, what are, what are the biggest surprises here? What would people be impressed with? And maybe pick two or three of those questions and build a press release around it. You know, put some analysis as to why you felt the numbers skewed a particular way and put you as the person who's giving the quote, you're now the expert, you know, just by doing the survey. And, you know, I, I get pushback from clients who say, I don't know who to send the survey to. I don't have a Rolodex of people <laughs> in my industry. Well, you don't need a Rolodex of people in your industry. There are so many independent and small trade associations in every industry, uh, you know, probably hundreds, if not more. And pick one that maybe has 700 150 uh, or more members, uh, ask them if they will send the SurveyMonkey link to their members in exchange for you mentioning them in a press release you'll be issuing over the wire. To the small and independent trade associations, this is a huge win-win. They don't get a lot of media attention. They don't get the publicity that the large trade associations do. And so they often would be willing to do that. You might have them push back and ask if they can co-brand the survey, get a little bit more attention. And I don't see a downside to that, but it's not you know, uh, very difficult for, for you to do this. I have one client uh, who does about 30 of these surveys a year. They represent lots of little independent verticals and uh, they do it annually. It's sort of like considered an industry roundup for all of these little micro industries that they represent. And on average, they get between eight and 14 articles for every press release that they do. And so it's a powerful way to stand out. You will get recognized as an expert easily. And I've had it work for lots of non-experts, you know, a lot of people who just feel that they do not matter. They they are just one, one little lone guy out there. <laughs> and yet they were able to get a lot of media attention and stand out as an expert. I like the idea. It's I my brain's already going with like, gosh, you could do it with some very serious questions like you were talking about, you know, the economics around something. You could also do it with some just really fun things. I'm thinking about how those lists come together, the top five ice cream flavors. And I mean, you could do that nationally or in your city. And there'd be right. some fun ways you could pull that together for any industry. Where I, could, yeah. I, I mean, people I like have to, to have pull those together. Questions when I do it. And I like to break it up over four pages. And on the last page, you can go left field questions, be mm. strange. You know, if, if they stop at that point, you've still got 75% <laughs> of their responses. But, you know, I, I had one client who was a local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania. And on the final page, they asked, what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? And <laughs> it was just an open field where they could write anything. So the responses we got had no statistical relevance whatsoever because everyone was unique. But we ended up doing a roundup of what we thought were the most interesting responses and put them on the website. And in the press release, we focused, I think it was on the top 20 or top 25 most interesting ones. And it did really well. It got over 10 auto industry trade publications, a local newspaper, as well as some additional media coverage as well. And it, it just really went viral. And so don't rule out those odd or strange little left field questions because they can really you know go wide as well. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about because you are talking about, you know, going wide and viral and everyone's always like, how do I go viral? You know, these things. So do you feel like press releases are more useful or do we attach a more or less to this? Maybe we don't. If you want to reach a national audience or a local audience, can you use them for both? Are there tactics for either? Talk me through right. that a little bit. I think the press releases can work for both. But I do think that when it comes to local media, you don't have to actually have a press release. The local media is more forgiving of working with a good pitch. And by pitch, I mean like maybe an email send that includes like two or three sentences mm. and a great quote. And I do recommend putting a great quote in there because a journalist can see an amazing quote and just build an article around it in their head. Mm. So that that is a really powerful tool that'll differentiate you from every, anybody else who's pitching a story. And when it comes to local media, I also say don't buy they're paying for service like e-releases. Local media is the easiest media for you to generate yourself. You know, journalists like 
to respond to local companies rather than PR people who aren't even in the same state. So, you know, if you think about it, there's probably less than a dozen people in your local market who would potentially cover you, you know, uh, go to your local newspaper, figure out who covers your industry, and then just call and ask for their email address. They will give it to you. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, these are like celebrities. I can't ask for their email address, <laughs> but they're members of the media. And you could just ask, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got a story I'd like to pitch to this person. Can I get their email address? They may forward you directly to their phone, so don't freak out. But, uh, you know, just just ask for the email address and say you've, you've got something you'd like to send along to them. And they, they will gladly accept it. Build your role decks if you're happy or fortunate enough in your market to have a business magazine or business newspaper or uh, a couple of those find out who covers your industry there do the same thing get their email address you know if there's radio programs that occasionally spotlights businesses find out who is the producer or booker of that segment and ask for their email address and then once you've got your rolodex of less than a dozen people just reach out to them and as you have an idea or a pitch send them a, a few sentences an amazing quote and and just hit send. I don't like following up with these people. Mm. You know, you may find that you don't get a response from any of them. You just keep doing it. You know, maybe it's every other month. Maybe it's just quarterly. But as you have ideas or brainstorm ideas, you know, send them out. One of the things you might do is if you do a little research in another market, another city, and create some Google alerts for your industry, you might see that in another market, there were some articles about a local company in respect to a certain issue. And, you know, then you can take that idea and generate it as a pitch. Don't say, hey, I've seen another market this works because, you know, you don't want them to feel like they're <laughs> copying someone else. But you can say, hey, I've noticed that there's a big trend in my industry about, you know, environmental concerns. And as a local dry cleaner, I'd love to share with you some of the going green initiatives that we have, including X, Y, and Z. And then here's an amazing quote and, and then hit send. And, you know, those, those can work extremely well. And, you know, also feel free to include multimedia as in uh, pictures. Uh, photos work really well. They can also really highlight a story that's going to be posted online. So journalists love having that additional asset of that. And don't feel you have to have a professional photo. The ones that work best with the media are often what we call candid shots, like, you know, just a picture of a customer using your product or, you know, some, you know an employee at your office interacting with your service or business or in some capacity. So, you know, don't don't underestimate the power of just, you know, an iPhone or a, an Android phone taking a uh, taking a snapshot and uh, those can work really well. And once you've built this Rolodex of local journalists and you reach out to them after a while, they'll contact you. They'll be working on a story and they would love to plug in a local business and you just come to top of mind because you've reached out to them maybe every two or three months. And so that's one of the reasons that you'll notice in your paper that the same companies tend to appear, you know, mm. once or twice a year, mm -hmm. every year. And it's often because they're doing the work of networking and reaching out to these journalists and, and building that that asset. So I'm picking up two things here at the same time as you're talking. One, it sounds like just make this kind of part of your routine. Like we're gonna have a brainstorm quarterly, we're gonna come up with two or three ideas, we're gonna pitch these out to our local media. Also out of that, you may have things where you go, this is not a local media, or it requires more, this is a press release, and we need to put a press release together, or we need to get a hold of Mickey and his team to help us put a press release together, right? But right. the reg doing it regularly in consistency sounds important. Absolutely. So many people sort of approach PR like so many other things like Pinterest or whatever saying, mm. I should give it a try for a couple of weeks. And if it doesn't work, cross it off and move on to the next shiny object. Mm -hmm. uh, but PR is one of the things that if you are going to commit to it, I recommend that you do a proper PR campaign. And that usually looks like six to eight press releases, testing lots of different hooks and ideas. Uh, you really only need one out of eight press releases to do extremely well for it to have a huge ROI for your business. And, you know, a wild example of that is during the pandemic, we worked with a um, dining bond initiative, which was very short lived to create, help restaurants that were closed during the pandemic. And they sent out one press release and it generated over 150 articles, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, a lot of the food trade publications, 
hundred plus local newspapers across the US. It just resonated extremely well, generated in excess of $10 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's a wild example of what can happen just because when you go on a wire and you get a, a wide distribution over the wire network, it does go to a lot more people than you can readily reach out to on your own. And this story just resonated with people because there was so much negative news. Here was something that was positive. Here was also something that was actionable that all these people who were you know, at home for the two weeks, flattening out the curve could actually do something meaningful. And that's probably why it, it blew up and did as well as it did. But it just, just shows the leverage opportunity that's there with PR that's just waiting for you to come out with a message that sort of speaks to the audience. And it may not be 150 publications, but maybe it's two or three that are extremely meaningful. And, you know, I, I had a person who got, got one media pickup and he got one customer from it, but it was in excess of $30 million because they built waste facilities for municipalities and they were chosen by a municipality who'd never heard that they existed. Yeah. And it was solely because of that trade publication. So, you know, that's what one meaningful difference can be for a client and, you know, getting you out there, it really does add like third party corroboration when a journalist writes about you. It's like social proof or maybe even an implied endorsement. And what you can do with that when you do get media pickup is put it on your website, record it, you know, because these pages can dis disappear over time. And you also want to share the link with your customers as well as your leads, because that same goodwill that's created when someone reads an article can also be conveyed to a lead who's sitting on the fence of like, I don't know if this is a company I want to work with. And all of a sudden that could be it, what wins them over. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, don't underestimate what power you can get from an article, not just the people who read it, the audience, but also, you know, putting it in front of your existing audience as well. Customers are always shopping new clients to say, hey, are we using the best vendors we should check this year? And maybe that article will just tell them, hey, I feel really satisfied. We're with the right company. No need to shop this year. Mm -hmm. That is it, making me think of an example here, because I think sometimes it's easy for some companies to go, we get it. It's so easy to connect the dots. Like I can totally see how that work. I see others where we've talked with them in relation to what you're talking about. So for example, local restaurant, and they're thinking, well, you know, what, what, uh, ROI am I going to have if this goes viral? Like some, is somebody going to drive from California to get my burger? Probably not. Right. And they may. Right. So here's a funny story. They have gone national a couple times with news because they have been good at pitching to local media. And that local media happened to get picked up by national media. And interesting things is people have driven a couple states over to check out a beer that they have on tap that they can't get anywhere else. So that's fun. But then the big payoff I think we've noticed is it builds rapport and culture, right? And that's huge when the smaller local eatery establishment gets picked up nationally with their story, whatever it is, that builds such excitement for the local community and the people are like, oh gosh, we haven't been down there in for a while. I just, oh my word, we got to get over there. That's right in our own backyard. Like that whole support your community, support your neighbor just blows up because people like to be where people are. People like to be where things are exciting and happening. And so that's something we've brought up with people too is don't underestimate what happens? Will somebody drive from California to get your thing or to use your dry cleaning service? Maybe, maybe not, more than likely not. But the excitement that people have in the community pride, that does bring people in the door. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know if that's things you've noticed too, but that is definitely a payoff that we have seen over and over again with different clients that have used the local first and then it's kind of gone from there. And even just local. My goodness. Maybe totally off topic here for just a second, but on topic. My own doctor, this has been mm, five, six years. Literally, every time I see her, which is annually, right? So not real often. We're not best pals. Great doctor. But every time she goes, I just loved that article about you in the newspaper and your camper. And I run into people within the local area and they're like, you're the girl with the camper. And I'm like, that was like five years ago, guys. This is crazy. But people remember when you're in the news and when you get picked up and when you're published. And so I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Just the excitement right. there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You brought up something to Newswire. 
Let's talk about that a little bit because not everyone knows what that is. So to not assume that, can you explain what that is and just what that looks like? Like you were, you know, saying earlier, you know, use the newswire because you, for one thing, can't send like hundreds of thousands of emails. I've tried, by the way. Your email provider shuts you down, just so you know. Um, But talk to me a little bit about what's a newswire, what's the value of that, and finding a partner who can help you navigate that. Right. So in the U.S., there's three major newswires, uh, press releases. PR Newswire is the oldest and largest and who we work with. There's also Businesswire and Globe Newswire. And basically, these are places that have relationships with journalists. Years ago, they put, put their newswire system in with the intranet. Uh, that goes directly into the newsroom. It's over the web now with logins where journalists log in. And the value of it is a journalist can go look at an industry feed and the entire industry feed headlines show up and then they can drill down to, to read more. They can also customize it. So maybe they're interested in the fashion industry, mm. but they're not interested in like, you know, average retail. So they may set in, you know, block certain keywords, like certain stores that would carry stuff that they would not find high fashion that they cover. So they can make it very customized for them. And so for a journalist who's on deadline and very busy, it's easy to go to just two or three places, log into their account and see the headlines that are relevant to them and drill down to the ones that are, you know, of most interest and, you know, potentially consider developing an article about that. So it's it's a great tool. The other way that people also interact with these journalists is through pitching. And generally there are PR firms that, you know, do the same thing that I was talking about locally, where they establish a relationship and rapport with the journalist and email them on an ongoing basis. And those can work extremely well, but you pay the price for that relationship relationship. So, you know, PR firms are not very expensive because they've put a lot of time and energy in developing these relationships mm. and they're sort of protective about, you know, who who they work with. They're not going to accept, you know, 50,000 fashion clients because it just wouldn't make sense to start spamming 50,000 messages to journalists. <laughs> so it is a little bit more curated and a little bit more, I guess, specific in that respect, but it works. And, you know, I, I find that for small businesses, you know, don't focus on the high energy one that's very expensive, but focus on the one uh, that has the leverage opportunity, which is the press release and the newswire. And I think that that's why it's a really great tool for a small business. You can build a, a, a PR campaign of six to eight releases and send them out through a service like e-releases for under three or $4,000. Mm-hmm. And the potential ROI could could be you know considerably more, especially if you know your price point or your profit margins are high enough that you know just getting 10 customers from that could be great. But I've also had people who've gotten thousands of customers from, from, uh, you know, a really good press release that just sort of spoke to people. And when it comes to sending these out, we don't have a magic ball to know what in your industry is going to resonate with the journalist. A lot of it's timing and you can take the same press release and do it six months later and it do well that didn't do before. So there are a lot of little factors that go into it, but the biggest factor is being strategic and what I call newsworthy and, you know, and, you know, one of those things is like owning your story, having a unique selling proposition. Maybe it's a human interest element, you know, an obstacle that you overcame in growing your or developing your business or just a vulnerability of mistakes you've made along the way. It's often hard to get small businesses to share those, but I've I've had a client that I recommended that they share a story where Thanksgiving was canceled because of a a successful marketing campaign they did. (laughs) And I told them to put that in the press release and they thought I was crazy, but they got picked up by Inc. Magazine. And that was the lead of the article that was about them was, Mm. hey, you know, this is a common theme that you probably experienced as a business owner and here's their story. And it's kind of humorous and and kind of sad at the same time. (laughs) And, And I think that that's, you know, that's one of the things that you have to realize is that human interest stories work extremely well. So small businesses like to be all corporate and like have a little bit of imposter syndrome. And I don't want to share the humanness of of me and the mistakes I've made. But sometimes just, you know, peeling back all the layers and sharing them is a really great way to stand out and, and really make people remember who you are. Because just like you with the camper, you know, these little human interest elements are the things that delight people and they remember. Mm-hmm. It is the things they remember for sure. 
And I, what, so I'm taking from this, and I hope everyone else is taking from this too, is I think so often there's a misconception that a press release is only released when there's like an event, a big change, a problem, a catastrophe, right? <laughs> Something like that. And what I'm really hearing here is it can be any kind of story. So long as there's a story and it might resonate with people out there who are in your industry or interested in your industry, you have a press release. You can put a press release together and send it out. It's just about having a, a great, compelling story. Yeah, absolutely. I had a local carpet company in New Jersey come to me and said, we want to do a one-year PR campaign of a press release a month. And I told them initially, I don't think this is going to work, guys. Uh -huh. uh, you know, As I learned about them, it was one location. It was in New Jersey. And, you know, they, they weren't really doing anything different from any other carpet installer. Mm -hmm. And we, we took their money month after month. And I felt so guilty at the month five. I was like, let's have a brainstorm and talk this out. Uh -huh. And I just asked them who was their biggest enemy, thinking it was going to be Carl across the street, Carpet Emporium or something. Yeah. And they said it was the big box home improvement stores. And they talked about how terrible they are for the industry and that, you know, they, their only requirement is when they call someone and ask if they can install carpet is, you know, are you, you have a home improvement license in the state. They don't ask, have you ever installed carpet before? They just say, oh, uh, you have a home improvement license we've seen. Would you be interested in installing carpet tomorrow? And if you're a home improvement guy with labor and no job, you'll say, sure, we'll figure this out. And so we did a press release, sort of a David versus Goliath thing, talking about how they have to market against the big guys and you know what 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 they do to try to stand out. And it 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 I, it went viral is the only way I can it. describe it because <laughs> over a over a dozen floor trade publications picked it up. I didn't even realize there was that many out there, mm. but they all picked it up. And what we realized is in the floor trade world, they don't talk about marketing. And here was someone talking about how they actively market, and it just resonated so much that they got picked up everywhere. And it was also one of these places where lightning can strike more than once. I said, we could test this again and try a variation on this. And we did. And over the next few months, we ended up getting about 30 articles published. I, I did point out to them that the people reading these articles aren't your customers. They're, they're other carpet companies. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they shared with me that they put together a big brag book. And every time they go out and give a quote to a homeowner, they say, look, we've been picked up in floor cover weekly. We've been picked mm -hmm. up here. And they just sort of thumb through it. And they've got 30 of these clippings in here of all the places they've been picked up, which also included New Jersey Magazine and their local newspaper. And what they told me was they started converting about 17% more of these quotes when they go in and give someone a price and they said that nothing else really changed that they've always said hey we may not come in the cheapest but we stand by our work we rarely have to have us come in and restretch the carpet or fix a seam we do it right from the beginning and the big box home improvement stores generally don't and so it it, it was a huge tool for them to, they could now utilize going forward because they had established this, you know, credibility mm -hmm. and this authority that they've done by putting together that brag book. And it just sort of goes that, you know, researching your industry for possible blind spots, in this case, marketing was a huge opportunity for them that we were able to exploit again and again throughout that one year period. That is so cool. And I as a story, strategic storytelling company at Tandemworks, like I'm just like, yes. It's, it is. It's just this great story, and then it's been utilized well, and you were able to help them strategize how to use their story really well. And having partners like you and your team are so important to help with that strategy. Otherwise, what I find is the ideas land on the back of an envelope, guilty, as I say it, and they don't go anywhere. Or you just don't take the time to sit down and go, wait, there is a story here. Can you help me pull it out? Um so I want to be sure that you get to talk about, you have a masterclass that I think is really great and valuable from what I was seeing there. Um, I'd love for you just to talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, I'm also going to put links to e-releases website. There's great. I've been perusing through the blog, 
reading about different tips. There's lots of tips and how to's and like, you really don't like hide anything. You're like, look, here's ways you could do it yourself. And here's ways that we can help you with it, which I think is great. But talk to me a little bit about your video masterclass and what people would anticipate with that. Sure. I think it's a great place for anybody to start who's considering PR. It's less than an hour long, and it goes through all the types of strategic types of press releases that work really well. And I created this during the pandemic for my clients because I know a lot of them do the same types of releases I see again and again, the product launch release without the elements of a story, no case study. I get a lot of personnel press releases that just talk about a new hire, and it's not like an industry veteran or a new CEO. And so I I felt like if I could get my clients to do these more strategic types of releases, the ones that work, then they'll have better success. And that's what the masterclass is, less than an hour long. And it sort of allows you to go through an audit of your business to see what types of releases you could potentially be doing that would be meaningful and and sort of walks you through that. And it's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And I feel like it's a really great place for people to identify like industry blind spots or doing the survey or study or learning about what news jacking is and how that can be relevant and work for you. News jacking. We don't have time, but that sounds fun. We got to check that one out for sure. So I hope people that you were listening, you picked up, it's a free, it's free as in F-R-E-E. And so you can go pick that up. I, generating ideas is like my favorite thing. So I love that you have a class, a little mini class on helping people think through that so they can get outside of the box. Because as I'm you know, sitting here talking with you, I'm already thinking about ideas. I'm like, gosh, we could do this and we could do that. And I'm thinking about that with clients that we serve. And I think it would just be really a really neat tool. So I hope people will go check that out and I'll put a link down so you can just go click on it as well. Okay. You also do a weekly newsletter and people can go find that also. And it's ereleases.com slash PR fuel, correct? And then get in on that. And what can they expect with that? Basically you'll get, uh, our blog post as they come available sent to you with links to to the to the blog post and it's just a great way to sort of stay informed and get little tips and how to's over time love it and i have found the blog very valuable so i'm going to endorse that one i know people protect their inboxes but i think if you're interested in this whole pr press releases this is worth getting in your inbox for a while and and just kind of like perusing through the articles there because i forget to go to people's websites so This is one I think worth getting into your inbox for sure. So check that out. Okay. I have a million more questions, but we have to, we have to watch our time too. And I have a couple just for fun questions, some rapid fire questions. I'd love to ask you if you're game for that. Sure. Just whatever comes to mind. You don't have to overthink it or overthink it. Whatever you want to do is totally fine. But the first one is as a business owner, what do you think the biggest misconception is about owning a business? That it's all fun and it's just you solving problems every day that are just easily solvable. (laughs) Yes. Four of those, as I walked in to sit down with this podcast day, I was like, this is not an easy one. Could I have an easy one? (laughs) Awesome. What piece of advice, any type of advice, doesn't have to be business, have you been given and you have like actually applied? I think for me, it was like measure everything. I did not have a business background. So when I started my business, I would just sort of like put up an ad. And if I didn't get any sales that day, I would switch the ad. And (laughs) I was just, and then I took a class and I realized there's something called statistical relevance and there's ways of looking at things. And then I've discovered AB split testing. Mm -hmm. And when someone said measure everything in your business, I was like, I I took it literally and I started split testing processes in my business and even the welcome package that I send customers, new customers, I I even did a split with that and had a huge difference result. You know, I used to send a crazy shock and awe package with a lot of fun stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, being in the Baltimore area, I'd send crab chips and a a, a raven figurine and it was like $60 worth of fun. I did have someone tell me they thought it was unprofessional. And rather than be offended, I'm not a business guy. I tested it and it turns out they were right. Mm -hmm. When I sent just a book and a welcome letter or that shock and awe package, the lifetime value of the person who received the book was like triple at the two year mark 
than the people who received the shock and eye package. It was also $50 cheaper. So I was very appreciative of that. So what are the other things that you're doing in your business that you could potentially test? You know, maybe it's the onboarding process. Like sometimes you've been told, wouldn't it be great if we did this? And you never do, but just like, okay, let's take half the people and have them do that. And the other half don't. And as long as you have enough people over time to be statistically relevant, you can test that. And it may take six months or a year, but you know, at that point, you'll know what the success rate is and how much money you're potentially leaving on the table by doing one thing over another. I love that so much and the experimenting and I like data a ton. So you're speaking, you're speaking my language and so many fun ways you could do that. Lots of different areas. Great examples. What's your favorite kickback and relaxed beverage? Coke Zero. Nice. Yeah. We had a big Coke, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper debate on here not too long ago with some guests. It got, it got real interesting. Is there a song, a book, a podcast that really inspires you right now? I think for a lot of the same reasons with the A-B split test, the 80-20 of sales and marketing by Perry Marshall is one that mm -hmm. really resonates with me. What are the 20% things in your business that may be presenting 80% of the headaches? And if you just, you know, maybe it's turning away 20% of your customers to free you up to be able to produce a lot more business with those that are less troubling and problematic. Yeah, and nobody's troubling or problematic, but yes. <laughs> I know what you're saying. No, it's true. There are certain times where you're like, okay, this just has to go. What excites you the most about the future? I think that the changes in the marketplace, there are a lot more people now who are considered media sources that are not traditional. Mm -hmm. you know, it started with bloggers years ago, and now it's like even social media influencers. So there's like people with journalist access at the wire who are like Instagram influencers and people on TikTok and stuff cool. like that. And I think it's really cool that the, the wires are adapting to recognize that there are media sources that are beyond the traditional media sources that we recognize. I like it. All right, last two. What's something people usually get wrong about you? I think that a lot of people just feel that I'm all sort of easy to get along with because I, I present myself as, as very <laughs> fun and everything like that. But I literally was like had a stranglehold on my business. I was a micromanager and didn't realize it. Mm. And I had a turnover that averaged one year with all new hires and I was in a marketing mastermind and a friend who was in HR said, look, you've spent two years complaining about your staff and the heavy turnover. Let me just interview your, your employees. Let me interview your customers. Let me look at job postings and figure out what you're doing wrong. And she came back and said, it's you, mm. your, 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 your customers are having a great experience with your staff, but you're micromanaging them. You're trying to dictate how every conversation should flow and everything should 